Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fellowship Greenville Student Ministry Podcast. This week we're continuing our My Story series, and we have one of our high school interns, Alex Morin, teaching and sharing her story. She's going to pull us into the reality that even if we're in seasons of life where we don't know, God does know. Follow along, we hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, um, so fun facts about me. I used to love being on the stage, okay? I used to love the pressure that it would put on me. And by when I say used to, I mean like elementary school Alex, okay? Not as much anymore, but comes and goes. I used to love being on the stage. I loved the pressure that it felt that I put on myself when I was up there because I felt like I had to be perfect. I had to. I couldn't mess up because all these people's eyes were on me. I felt like I had to be perfect. When I was really little, I danced. Um, Hard to say that I did because I have no rhythm whatsoever right now. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate that. Um, But I have absolutely no rhythm anymore. And so quickly I learned, you know, dance is not necessarily my thing. So I then moved on to gymnastics. And so I did gymnastics for a few years. And then it became time when I was old enough to audition for my school play. I was in third grade. I heard about him and I said, you know what? that's going to be me. I'm going to be up on the stage. Everybody's going to be watching me. I'm going to be doing my little thing. It's going to be great. So I stopped doing gymnastics and I auditioned for the play. The first year I got in, I was one of like eight third graders to get in. And I was in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And I was an Oompa Loompa in training, guys. Okay. I think we have a photo that we can put on up there. Yep. That's me. (laughs) Um, Yep. The orange face. The green hair, the little pom-poms on the shoe, I was all about it, okay? My face was, in fact, stained orange for weeks afterwards, but it is, it's okay. I endured through it. Um, The next year, I auditioned again, and I was in Beauty and the Beast, and I was just a villager. It's not as funny of a photo, but we still have one with my little, like, rose things. I also was a pepper shaker, but unfortunately, we don't have a photo of that. That would have been really entertaining, but it's okay. Um, And then in fifth grade, I was in Elf Junior, and I was Elf number two, because second is the best. Um, The amount of glitter that I had on my face for weeks afterwards is crazy. Like, it was never left. Still find glitter on my face from the amount that they put on me. Um, But I loved being on the stage. I loved everything about it. I loved the pressure that it put me through. I loved the stress and anxiety that it put on me. I don't know why. I was a weird kid, but I loved it. Um, At this point in my life, my family had been going to church every Sunday. I grew up going to church. We used to go to uh, Grace Church off of Pelham Road. I was going every Sunday. It was all I knew. Wake up on Sunday morning, go to church. It was the thing my family did, and I loved it. We, I was there both services every morning because my parents served one and then would attend one, so I was there all day. And it was just something that always happened. Um, I didn't really know what it meant to follow God. I just knew going to church every Sunday was a thing that people did. It was just a thing that my family did. I didn't know, hey, this is more than just learning out a, about a big old book that has 66 chapters in it. This is more than just learning about this guy who lived however many years ago who died and came back to life. I didn't know what it meant to really follow God. Eventually, at the end of my fifth grade year, my family was like, you know what, I think it's time for a change, and we decided to switch churches. Um, there was a big season where we were in and out of a bunch of different churches. Some Sundays we were at church, some Sundays we weren't. 
Um, sometimes when we were trying new churches, my brother and I would love it, my parents not as much, or vice versa. Um, and so there were a period of a few months where we were just kind of in and out of churches, and it wasn't very constant. Um, after that, um, my family, after a few months of doing it, it was kind of end of July, we eventually were like, hey, let's go try out that church that's like five minutes down the road from our house that we pass by every time we go to go find these other churches. Let's just go try that one out. Just give it a shot. Um, And so we get there, and I remember being on the back staircase by the back parking lot, and my parents were like, so how did y'all like it? And me and my brother were immediately like, this is the place that we need to be. This is where we need to be. I don't know why we were so certain about why we loved it so much, could not tell you. The only thing I can say is that God knew that this is where we needed to be. He knew that the community and the people that this place would surround me with and bring into my life would have such a huge impact on who I am and who I was at the time. But at that point, I didn't know. I was a fifth grader about to go into middle school having no idea what in the world life was. Like, I was so little. But I just knew, I felt, (laughs) I just felt that I needed to be here. I felt this calling that this is the place that we needed to be. So my family started attending regularly. I went to Six Rise, middle school started. Um, I was only here for about two weeks in the fifth grade group, and then we, it was time to move up to middle school. It was that first Sunday of middle school, and my family was running very, very late, okay? And I have this really weird thing, it's so irrational and so dumb, where if I'm really late to something, I would just rather not go. I'd just rather not be there, not at all. If I'm running 15 minutes late to a doctor's appointment, you know what, catch you next time, doc, I'll see you next week, not, not right now, okay? And so I'll just stay home. Well, we were running very late, and considering we only live like five minutes from the church, We were late, Um, and I remember walking in, and worship had started, and the very few people that I knew at the time were all sitting in a row, and it was completely full. And so I was like, now I'm going to have to go sit in the back by myself. Everybody's going to know that I'm just this kid sitting here by myself with nobody to talk to. I look so awkward and weird, and everybody's judging me for being there by myself. And that pressure and that feeling that it gave me made me decide, you know what, I'm just going to go to service with my parents for a little while. I'm just not going to go to middle school. It'll be fine. I'll still be at church, but I'm not going to be at service. Um, After a little while, my family decided to join a community group, and it just so happened that the same time that my family joined this community group, another family joined the community group with a daughter my exact age. At this point, I had no idea what in the world this girl was about, no idea who she was, no idea how much of an impact she was going to have on my life and my faith, but I was like, hey, you know what, we'll meet her, we'll see, and we became instantly best friends. It was like we were so close, so it was so great. It became a new part of my Sunday routine, see her every Sunday afternoon, and eventually she kind of decided, like, was like, hey, they're moving to the new building, there's new people you should come to middle school with me. If you don't like it that one Sunday, that's fine. You can continue going with your parents, but you should come join me. Come in, sit in my small group. And so I came, and I never stopped coming. I loved it. I loved my small group. I loved being here. I loved the environment, the community, the energy that they had. I loved it. Immediately fell in love. At the time, I did not know what that would mean for me. I did not know how being here every Sunday and the community was going to impact me. I didn't know how this girl had just changed my life by getting me to come to middle school service. I had no idea, but God knew. 
God knew what he was doing by putting my family in that community group. He knew what he was doing by bringing this girl into my life. He knew what he was doing when he made me and my brother feel so comfortable coming here. He knew, even though I had no idea. Um, at this point, more families started to join the community group, and they all also happened to have kids my age, and we became besties. Y'all, we were, it was crazy. The ruckus that we caused, I felt so bad for our parents when they were downstairs trying to have community group and we were upstairs rolling around on the floor. Ryan's nodding his head like, yep, exactly. He knows exactly what I'm talking about. But we were menaces to society, y'all. I, menaces to society. JC knows what I'm talking about too. You know what I'm talking about. We were menaces to society. (laughs) But it was great. We all became instant friends And I didn't know how this godly community that I was surrounding myself with and building that connection with, just seeing them every Sunday was going to do for my life. I had no idea. I had literally no clue that God was surrounding me with those godly people, even though they didn't necessarily know 100% what it meant to follow Jesus. They didn't know either 100%. But just that godly community where we were able to lean on each other became so impactful later on. Um... Fast forward to about seventh grade. I was still coming to church every Sunday, still didn't really know what it meant to follow God, but I kind of started to realize, hey, there might be a little something more to this, but I still didn't fully understand the like depth of it. Um, and so we started coming every Sunday, and I was doing community group at night with those group of people, and I loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, seventh grade, I started to become really, really good friends with this girl at my school. Um, and we became friends really, really quickly, and we were best friends. I put so much of my identity of who I was and how I acted into that friendship, even though I didn't realize it at the time. My whole being was our friendship. I did stuff to please her and to grow our friendship and nothing else. It was like that was my whole life. My whole identity and my whole being was her and our friendship. Um, I still was coming to church every Sunday, though, so this friendship, she came with me every now and then, but I still very much was all of my identity was in her and how she affected my life. Um, she was also not necessarily the best influence for me, not necessarily, like, in a way that some of y'all might be thinking with, like, drugs and alcohol, but it was more personality-wise. She would, we were just mean. We were awful to people for absolutely no reason, okay? We would judge people every time we went out. It was the thing that we did, and we bonded over it. I don't know why in the world I didn't see a problem with that at the time, but I was so engulfed in this person and this friendship that I didn't care who I hurt along the way as long as I was still friends with her. That was all I cared about was being friends with her. I don't know if any of y'all have ever had a friendship like that in your life where it's like, All you do is to try and please this person, or maybe it's not necessarily a friend, maybe it's a significant other, or maybe it's a family member. You feel like you are constantly trying to please this person, and you're putting all of your being and yourself into them, because she was that person for me. Um, Fast forward a little bit towards the end of my eighth grade year. I was still really good friends with this girl. We were still going really strong, um, best friends. And I was still, all of my identity was in her, if not more so, because I had been friends with her for two years at this point. Um, 
I was still going to community group every Sunday night, still hanging with the buddies from church, um, but it was like I was a completely different person when I was with them. When I was with them, I was so different, and it was almost like I was playing this part just like I used to do on the stage in elementary school. It was like I was playing this completely different person around these group of people than I was the rest of the week. And I don't know how much of them caught on to that fact, but I knew. I knew I was different around them than I was around her, but I didn't care about it. I thought, you know, it's fine. We all act differently around our friends. It's fine. Uh, end of eighth grade year, um, before the very beginning of that summer, me and this friend had a really, really bad falling out. It left me broken and shattered. I had no idea who I was because I had been living for her and that friendship for two years of my life that I didn't know how to be my own person. I didn't know who I was without her there because I didn't know who God was. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who he wanted me to be. I had no idea what my next step was because all of my friends were friends with her. And so we were all mutual friends, and they were all going to the same high school as her, whereas I was going to a completely different high school on the other side of town. And so when our friendship ended, they all kind of chose her side and kind of became friends with her and just kind of left me in the dust. I felt like I had absolutely nobody. I cried myself to sleep for two weeks because I had no idea who I was. Um, whew, okay. <laughs> um, I didn't know who I was. The only people I still had at that point were my church friends. My community group friends who I'd been hanging out for the, for the past three years, they were the only people I had left in my life other than like my family. So naturally, I started to get excited, get excited to see them every week. It was like, okay, it's Sunday night. I get to go be with my best friends. I get to go hang out with my people. They're my besties. I'm going to go see them. And I'd get so excited. And I didn't realize how much that excitement and joy to just be at church every Sunday started to affect my faith and help me realize, like, okay, there's a little bit more going on here. I don't necessarily know who I am, but God knows who I am. He knows who I am. He knows who he wants me to be. He knows how he's going to use these people in my life to affect me as a person and to help me learn who I am and who God wants me to be. I never knew. At that time, I still didn't know who I was. I was starting to learn a little bit more about who God wanted me to be, so I started to kind of be like, okay, maybe I should act more nicely to people. Well, that summer, I was signed up for the Lexington mission trip, and for any of y'all who don't know what that is, that is a mission trip our church goes on for the middle schoolers up to like sophomore year of high school down to Lexington, South Carolina, and you do work in the community, stuff like that for a week or so, and they have little services every night. Well, it was the night where everybody's all crying and praising the Lord and worshiping and having so much fun, and I just remember standing there being like, yo, they really care about this. Like, they really care about this Jesus person, they really care about this God person who I've been learning about for the past, like, few weeks, few years of my life. Like, they really care about it. And so after service, Brentley and Dallas were like, okay, guys, we're going to have y'all break into small groups of about two or three. And lo and behold, I end up in a group with Mr. Nicholas Leno over here. <laughs> and I did not know this kid beforehand, no idea who he was. All I remember about him from that trip 
is he walked out on the very first night during a huge pillowcase where Haley Coppins ripped her pillowcase. Nick walks out with his big queen-size air mattress ready, ready to just whip us all, okay? That is the only thing I knew about him is that he was ready to beat us all with that air mattress, okay? That is the only thing I knew about him. And so I'm in this group with him, don't really know him very well. And all of a sudden, he just kind of starts crying. And I, my eighth grade brain was like, boys can cry? Like, (laughs) I didn't know that that was a thing that was, like, physically possible. Like, I knew, like, okay, my brothers cried a few times, but, like, it didn't count in my brain. Like, brothers crying, that doesn't count, okay? But he just started crying and weeping in dear adoration for the Lord. And I remember sitting there, like, what in the world is happening? Like, why is he crying? I don't know this kid. He's crying in front of me. Like, what is happening? But it was that night that I started to realize, okay, this is so much more than what I thought it was. This is so much more than what I had believed it was. It's so much more than just reading this book. It's so much more than just learning about this guy. It's about building your relationship with the Lord and his drive for you and you wanting to earn his love and stuff because you don't have to earn it. He knows everything about you, and he still chooses to care for you. He still chooses to say, hey, I want to be in your life. Even though you don't know who you are, he knows who you are. He knows everything that's going on in your brain. He knows everything about you. He knows you. Whether you want him to or not, he knows you. Okay? He knows who you are, and he cares about you deeply. So everything kind of started to click. I started understanding what they were talking about at church every Sunday. I started to pursue my relationship with the Lord and pursue that friendship and build that relationship with him. Um, I continue to do that. Um, We're going to fast forward a little bit now to sophomore year. At this point, I had started leading a small group of eighth grade girls who are now sophomores now, and that blows my mind to this day still. Um, I love you guys. Um, <laughs> um, but I started leading them, and I was very much pursuing my faith. At that point, who I was was my faith. My identity had kind of found itself to be, again, around God and around my faith, and I had kind of centered my life around it again. Well, sophomore year, very end of it, I became friends with this other girl. And when I say when we were friends, I mean we were like sisters, like sisters. And I don't mean that in the silly, like, oh yeah, she's like my sister, he's like my brother kind of way. I mean she was legitimately like my sister. I've never had a sister, so she was it for me. Um, She knew how much my faith meant to me. She knew me better than any person alive. She didn't know me better than God, because that's not possible. But she knew me better than any other person in my life. She knew what I needed before I knew what I needed. I don't know if y'all have ever had a person in your life like that where they just know like, hey, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I know that you need me to be here with you right now. I don't know necessarily how you're feeling, but I just know you need somebody to just sit here and listen to you because she was that person for me. And it was the same backwards. I was that person for her. I knew her better than any other person in her life. I knew what she was going through. I knew what she was struggling with. Um, And we were legitimately sisters. It's the only real way I can explain it. 
Um, my faith was still very core to me at this point, um, but she and I were so close. She knew my faith was important to me. She came to church with me every now and then. She understood how much I cared about my relationship with the Lord. Well, around October-ish of my junior year, we, there were a bunch of things that kind of had balled together, and then we ended up just blowing up at each other. Um, I remember this one particular night, I was staying at my grandparents' house after everything had blown up, and I remember sitting upstairs in their guest room, just talking out loud with the Lord, being like, what do you want me to do? Like, how do I fix this? Because at this point, she was like a sister to me. I didn't just want to lose another friendship. So I just remember sitting out loud and talking with the Lord, and I kind of come down to the conclusion that, hey, I should go talk to her and try and make amends. So I picked up my phone, and the first thing I see is a text from her. I don't get through the first line of the text before I start weeping. And when I mean weeping, I mean sobbing, like hardcore. I don't sob very often, guys, but I was, I was sobbing, okay? I remember looking at the text, and the basic idea of it was she was using my faith to belittle me and in a way to put me down for believing in God. And when I tell you, hearing that from the person that you thought knew you better than anybody else in the whole world, it breaks you. It tears you down to this little peg, and you're just like, hold on, I thought, I thought you knew that I cared about this a lot. Why are you going to go and say that this is bad? I didn't understand. My brain couldn't wrap my head around it. I felt so betrayed and so just confused and broken. I had no idea why in the world God was having her do this. I don't know why he was putting me there. I didn't understand any of it. I just remember sitting up there and just bawling. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'm at my grandma's house. She might just like walk in at any moment. I don't really want her to see me like sitting on her guest bed sobbing, you know, like I don't want her to see me that way. So I had kind of like pulled myself together after a little bit, like, okay, I'm going to get through tonight. I'm going to be okay. And then I hear her footsteps walking up the stairs. And have y'all ever had that moment where it's like, you've been crying really, really hard and you like walk out and you like know that there's people around you walk out and you make eye contact with that one person. And it's like all you can do to stop yourself from sobbing your eyes out all over again. Like you hadn't just pulled yourself together. Well, that's exactly what happened the second my grandma opened the door. She opens the door, we make eye contact, and I just break down all over again. And she just, I just remember her sitting down and just listening to me. She just listened to everything I had to say. She let me complain. She let me talk. She let me go through everything that I was feeling. And she helped talk through everything with me. And that conversation meant so much to me at the time. Um, I didn't really know at the time how much this text was going to affect me in the long run. I didn't know how much it was going to affect my faith. I didn't know how much this one text from this one person who I thought knew me had affected my whole relationship with Christ. But for the next few months afterwards, I started to just feel something off. I didn't feel my heart was in church I still came every week. I was still here, but I didn't feel like my heart was in it. Um, We were—I was here every week. My faith became very performance-based. 
I was so worried that people would see me sitting at church just kind of being so zoned out and so just unattentive that I was like, you know what, I'm going to take notes just because people are going to be seeing me. They're going to be watching. I need to look like I know what I'm doing. I need to look like my faith is intact. I need to look like I am this perfect picture of a Christian. I need to look like I have it all together, even though I did not. So that's what I did. Worship song would come on. And not really feeling it, but like, hey, I'll raise my hand. I'll act like I'm in it. And that's how my faith was for a good, like, three or four months after that text. I don't know if y'all have ever felt that. I don't know if y'all have ever just been like, okay, I'm kind of having an off night. I'll just, like, raise my hand during this song just because even though I'm not really, like, in it, but I'm just going to act like I'm in it and I'll get through it and it's fine. Like, I'll go home. It's not a big deal. Like, it's just one night. It's okay. Because I have, I have, I have a lot. Um, At the time, I didn't really realize it, though. I didn't know how performance-based my faith had been. I didn't realize that that's what it was. I didn't classify it as anything. I just kind of was like, meh, I'll just go through the motions. I'll just be there. I'll just do this. I'll say the right things. But I didn't realize how much I started doing it until Matt came up and gave his sermons on the practices of faith. And he talked about silence and solitude. And I was like, you know what? I can be silent. I can sit in my room and be quiet for a little while. I can just listen. I I have have listening ears. I can turn them on for a little bit. I can sit there and be quiet. So I did just that. I would sit in my room and be quiet for different amounts of time, depending on how much time I had. And every single time, there was one word that would pop up in my brain, and that word was baptism. Obviously, though, my brain immediately shot it down. I was like, uh-uh, nope, nope, people are going to be watching, uh-uh. No, I've been leading a small group now for two years. People are going to judge me for not having been baptized. Even though I'm leading a small group, they're going to think, hey, her faith wasn't strong enough to be leading these group of girls. Her faith wasn't strong enough to be mentoring these people. So I immediately shot down the idea every single time. But eventually, after shooting that idea down, I started to realize, like, hey, why do I keep shooting it down so quickly? Why am I so quick to say no? And through that, I started to think through my faith for the last few months, and I started to realize, like, oh, okay, I've been doing a lot of my faith actions for how others view it. My faith had become very centered around how others viewed it instead of around how I viewed it. And instead of my relationship with God, it was viewed around how others viewed my relationship with God. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take a step. And for me, that next step was getting baptized. I thought this is going to be a way for me to publicly proclaim that I am going to believe in him. He knows me more than anybody else knows me, and I'm going to step in, and that is going to be my life. So I did that. I got baptized on May 22nd of last year, um, and I would finally started to understand again that God knew who I was. He knew every time I raised my hand and didn't understand. Like, he knew every time I would raise my hand just to raise it. He knew whether I was doing it to worship him or if I was doing it to make others see that I was worshiping him. He knew me at my core. He knew my secret sins. He knew everything about me. He knows everything about me, and he knows everything about you. He knows who you are. He knows what you are struggling with. 
He knows what you are going through. He knows exactly how you are feeling in this exact moment. He knows every little thing that you're trying to hide from every single person in your life. He knows. He knows you. God knows who you are. He knows you better than anyone else. And he knows about the things that you are hiding. Maybe you're hiding them out of fear of judgment that others are going to judge you for these different things. Maybe you're hiding because you just feel like, hey, I don't want to come to terms with the fact that I'm doing this, so I'm just going to like keep it back here and not tell anybody about it. God already knows. Whether you're trying to hide it from him or not, he knows. He knows what you need, and he will consistently show up for you. He knows exactly how much you are trying to push him away, and he knows exactly how certain situations in your life are affecting you. I know this because in my life there have been many situations where I have been hurt or I haven't known what to do, but God has brought me where I needed to be and placed that community around me and help, to help me get through it. He knows. He is consistently present in everyone's life, whether you are consistently reaching for him. Um, a verse that has always stuck out to me and one that I always remember whenever I'm struggling is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. And it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This verse sticks out to me a lot because it shows how he is consistently there. He is consistently aware of everything that you are feeling. He is consistently aware of if you are reaching for him. He is consistently aware of everything. He is always aware of how you're struggling. He is always pursuing you, even if you aren't pursuing him. He always knows who you are, even if you don't even know who you are. He knows you so well that he is willing to leave the 99 to come chase down the one who runs away, even if that person isn't chasing him. He craves that relationship with you. He craves for you to know him as much as he knows you. I think that this is one of the most comforting things that I could ever hear. That God knows you. He knows who you are when you don't know who you are. The fact that he knows all of my faults and my flaws. He knows the kind of person I was. He knows everything that I've been through. He knows all the parts of my past. He knows everything about me. And yet he still says, hey, I want a relationship with you. I want you to know me and to crave to know me as much as I crave to know you. And I think that is insane. It's really comforting just knowing the fact that he knows you and he wants you to know him. There are still days where I struggle with my identity and my worth and my performance-based faith. There's never a day where it's perfect, doesn't happen. We all still struggle in our own ways. Um, but every time I do, I always think back to Hebrews, and I always think back to this verse, and it's a little reminder to myself that, hey, he knows. He knows that you're not having a great faith day today. He knows, but he's still right there next to you. He's still saying, hey, I want to pursue this relationship with you. It's insanely comforting. It's one of my favorite things about the Lord is that he knows us. He knows each and every single one of you. He knows your hearts. He knows your passions. He knows your struggles. And he knows you.
I'm going to close us all in prayer, and then the band is going to come back up. Um, Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for letting me speak to all of these people and just getting to praise you, Lord, and share what you have taught me in my life. I thank you so much for knowing us and knowing our deepest hurts and our deepest struggles and just knowing who we are even if we don't know who we are. Lord, I thank you for everything that you have ever done for all of us in this room and what you are continuing to do in our lives even if we don't know what you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.